Hello, it's David Lynch here. I want to tell you about my new Netflix series coming. <laughs> it's about a lamp that makes no light. It produces smoke. <laughs> Only smoke. It's coming to Netflix. <laughs> Next August. <laughs> That's great. I recorded all that. Hello and welcome to another day's edition of Chapter by Chapter for Dune. I am your host, Will Cowan. With me is my co-host and good friend, Steve. Hello, Will. How's it going, bud? How's your How's your sandy Thursday morning? It's pretty good. Um, you know, as is routine at this point, <laughs> I woke up, I contemplated my existence and existential crisis. Uh, unfolded a little bit, and uh, now I'm talking about Dune again. But hey, life is what you make it, and this is what I've made mine. Are you sleeping better? A little better, but the answer to your question is no. <laughs> I'll tell you who who no. uh, who yeah. are sleeping better, Jessica and Paul. I mean, they're not sleeping right. anymore, but they're waking up, and we're waking up with them for Chapter 29 of Dune. Uh. Last chapter was great, man. Chapter 29. I love doing last chapter. Last chapter was great. This is a good chapter. We got a name for this chapter? Uh, You know what? I was thinking about this, and I think I'm going to hearken back to an old episode we did and call this episode, Thank You for Being a Fremen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you for being a Fremen. I think we should call this chapter... Uh, I- also, um, we should call it "Thank You for Being a Fremen." Colon, meet the Fremens. Eat the Fremens. Colon, everybody loves Fremen. <laughs> oh, come on, man! Hold on. We need to we need to save these names. <laughs> we talked about this. <laughs> I told you we we're going to use all of them. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to use it for this episode. Okay, well. Nevertheless, uh, with all of those chapter names out of the way, let's get into the chapter introduction and fuck me. <laughs> you heard it, folks. You heard what Will just said. This uh, this is by far the biggest Princess Irulan ramblings we've had. Oh my god! So far, it's like a page. It's in a, a whole bit. page. It's like a page in a bit. It's over a page. Jesus. Okay. Family life of the Lord. Already, already fucked it up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle in, folks. <laughs> Family life of the Royal Creche is not difficult for many people to understand, but I shall try to give you a capsule view of it. My father had only one real friend, I think. That was Count Hasmir Fenring, the degenetic eunuch and one of the deadliest fighters in the Imperium. The Count... A dapper and ugly little man brought a new slave concubine to my father one day 
and I was dispatched by my mother to spy on the proceedings. All of us spied on my father as a matter of self-protection. One of the slave concubines permitted my father under the Bene Gesserit Guild Agreement could not, of course, bear a royal su successor. But the intrigues were constant and oppressive in their similarity. We became adept, my mother and sisters and I, at avoiding su subtle instruments of death. It may seem a dreadful thing to say, but I'm not at all sure my father was innocent in all these attempts. A royal family is not like other families. Here was a new slave concubine then, red-haired like my father, willowy and graceful. She had, she had a dancer's muscles, and her training obviously included neuro-enticement. My father looked at her for a long time as she postured unclothed before him. Finally, he said, she is too beautiful, we will save her as a gift. You have no idea how much consternation this restraint created in the royal creche. Subtlety and self-control, after all, were the most deadly threats to us all. From In My Father's House by the Princess Irulan. Oh. In my father's house. That's another fun sitcom. <laughs> yeah, that is. Um, Good job. That was a big one. Oh, I need a little that bit of water after one. that. I think you did great. It was okay. It's, it, Drink it, it was up. okay. Don't waste water. We need water. <laughs> Actually, a little little joke to everybody right now. We just got a text from our friends asking us how long we're going to talk about sand for. Uh, however oh, long man. we fucking want. <laughs> I probably should. You see, I named. I changed the name of the group chat to look at the look at the size of that turkey. <laughs> That's hilarious. There's no context of that. No, no, absolutely not. Actually, all your group chat names have been uh, have been going around talking about turkeys. But we're not here to talk about those turkeys. We're here to Always talk about do. Gobble, gobble. two different turkeys in the desert, man. And that is Jessica and Paul. And they are... Well, hold on. Hold on. Because there's a lot to unpack in that intro. I, I almost don't, I don't even want to talk about it because the amount of time that I had to keep talking about it. <laughs> but I mean, there's a eunuch. There's a, a, a genetic eunuch. Yeah, what was that about? So that's her dad? No, that was that was her father's only one real friend. Oh, so that's her father's uh, the emperor Hasmir Fenring. Right? Who wrote this? Uh, Princess Irulan. Prince Irulan. So her father is the emperor. His only friend is Count Hasmir Fenring, yep. who's a genetic eunuch. Yep, genetic eunuch, and one of the deadliest fighters in the Imperium. Mm -hmm. uh, he because he, he's got. We haven't met him before, but we have heard the name before. The family that ran the Arakeen Castle before the Atreides showed up. You remember the woman that left the note for Jessica in the in the atrium that that uh, place. You remember that bit? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. That was his wife. Left her as a, uh, but they were there, kind of like under Raban's like rule. They were like basically house sitting. That's my understanding. I could be completely wrong, but that's my understanding. And uh, she left that note for Jessica. So she's not Harkonnen. She's not Imperium. She's like friends of the Imperium. And therefore, Jessica gets a little heads up for that from that uh, situation. Anyways. Um, but what's really interesting. What's a royal creche? I think that just means the royal family. They just called it a creche. Okay. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if that's like any significance in other cultures. Uh, but I mean, it sounds very Dooney to me. I'll take it. I'm going to start calling my household a creche. <laughs> I'll go hang out with the creche. 
at at the creche. Um, yeah. yeah, there's that, and the fact that they spied on their father all the time to see what his dealings were for protection. Yeah, and even though they were related to him, they were even playing 4D chess with themselves because of all the just the backstabbing and everything like that. You could be related to the guy and still have to. Uh, I lost my train of thought. You can be related to the guy, but you still have to protect yourself in some sort of way. So there's that. Uh, it's kind of creepy that Irulan was uh, spying on him when he was with uh, Benny Gesserit, uh, seductress, basically. But uh, I guess that's just part of the that's just part of the deal. But he also like he's also doing this is it part for, of the gig. I guess he's also doing it for himself. Like he knows he's being spied on. He's protecting himself from people like, you know, how many nephews and like nieces and cousins and and uh, just other people are just constantly coming for that throne, you know, looking just to usurp you. You have to constantly be on your on your guard, even if you're just a regular house. Everyone. So, it's like Game of Thrones all over again. I don't know. The show, but it doesn't suck. <laughs> it, oh. Hey, oh. Uh, uh, let's get into it. So yeah, we wake up with uh, Jessica and Paul. They have survived the desert one more night. I think this is picking up exactly from our last chapter. You know, they just set up camp there. Uh, yep. And yep, like once they went to sleep when they saw the greenery. Yep. And then they uh, wake up and they're ready to go the next, uh, ready to test, ready for the next day. And it's actually night because they don't travel during the day. It's too fucking hot. So. The mission for t- Too hot. the mission for them today Cut that is out. I don't like that. I'll take it out. That was insensitive. Uh, the <laughs> what the fuck? Where was I again? The mission for today is to cross this like <laughs> area of open sand. Like it is there is no cover. There are no rocks. There is just back to open sand. Sand everywhere. <laughs> um, so what do we know? We know you got to walk with our rhythm. We know we got we got to walk around. Got a fat boy slim it. Yep. I think this is the first chapter where it's actually said like that. The last chapter when we saw it, I think I kind of gave it away. But you saw we we saw Paul do it in that chapter where he was like, "Slide to the yeah. left." The concept Slide was talking about it, right. but the actual phrase "walk without rhythm, you won't attract the worm" is in this chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So or a variation of it, whatever. Um, <clears throat> and that's really cool. But I I like to point out here that Paul at the beginning of this chapter um, seems kind of serene. You know, like he's, uh, it's not like he's enjoying it, but he's, he's, he can see the appeal of living in the desert like this. No, yeah, he's not having a bad time. <laughs> you know, like he, yeah, he's like, I don't know. It, I mean, I could do a few more dates. It, it could be worse. It honestly could be worse. I think that's, I bet you, I bet you, if you got a nice spot up on a little dune mm-hmm. late at night, uh, I bet two you moons in the air. Probably pretty. Could, we got double moons. If if weather's nice, you know, there's no storms. Mm-hmm. It's probably cool air, hot sand. Oh, and uh, you know, you can just get in there and you know, you can smoke some spice. spice. You can drink some spice. See into the you future. Gush it into you and stare up at the run from moons. a family that's tried to I mean, kill you. Sounds peaceful. Yeah, but I mean, this is when you're vibing out. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just, I'm just chirping. And I'm with Paul. 
Hey, man, I'm with him too. He's uh, he paints a nice picture. We don't and, want you. Jessica sees it as well. There even is a little passage after uh, to Paul's little like, oh, this is this is actually not so bad. Jessica even is like trying to force herself to see how he's seeing it, and she's like, yeah, I guess I I could be down for this. But I think it also comes down to the fact that Paul has that prescience and he knows that this is in his future anyways. And that's how he kind of already knows the walk without rhythm. Like it's his future memory coming back and teaching him these things. Yep. So. Which is a crazy concept. Cra- it's like Looper. Yeah. Except not trying to kill him. And, <laughs> and not suck. And not, uh, and not suck. No, Looper's okay. It's not bad. It gets hard. To, it gets, uh harped on unfairly but it had a cool concept and the the cool teleporting action was cool um anyways that's neither here or there uh so they gotta get a plan to cross the desert they know what they got on them and it's uh it's a thumper and that what they're gonna do is they got the thumper because they retrieved that bag exactly and if there's gonna be a time for them to use the thumper it's now and they gotta cross this huge amount of desert in a short little short amount of time because worms are out there <laughs> i wonder if worms are sleeping like they're not moving at the moment because they're sleeping and then because they have to be pretty cl- don't you think they have to be pretty close to show up that fast unless they're just like moving at, at the speed of them. i think they move extremely fast and they probably have tunnels down there oh yeah you're probably right they have their own like probably tra- got a whole transit system worm system yeah transit system yeah yeah yeah. i think we talked about this in, in the past but wormtropolis yeah i remember this More, yeah yeah wormtropolis <laughs> they, they have the transit system they got it figured out you know <laughs> i love it i love it yeah okay I, i'm down with it the wl tree the the wrt <laughs> the, it's the worm rail train <laughs> wormopolis rail train wormopolis rail this this uh this planet has got to be fucking huge the help them do that so paul plants the thumper and he teaches jessica you know the crisscross and that and they uh they get ready to go and they and they do it and the first little bit goes off without a hitch and then everything falls apart as soon as it goes completely yeah, wrong as soon as the uh thumper started going off like they started they tried to hightail it and without noticing it, Paul steps into an area of sand called drum sand. Um, do you know anything about drum sand? It's mentioned in the book, but I don't know. Okay. No. Uh, so drum sand, uh, it just carries an echo. Like if you hit, if you step on it, it's going to sound mm-hmm. really, really big. And I think it's just the way that the sand is layered uh, will create a sound. And it creates a huge sound, like two bangs. Like I think, it, I think it's almost like akin to like maybe ice snapping or something like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking about my ass. Um, but he steps on it, and boom. Like, it's time to, time to go. Um, which is actually kind of cool that this part is happening, and we talked about the Dune trailer a couple of times already, but this is like the end of that trailer. Uh, the very back end of the trailer where they're crossing the desert, and the worm shows up and starts looking at them. This is that whole so thing. So this is that, what you think is that worm. But here's the thing about the worm. And I've talked about it a lot. It's not big enough. It's not big enough. I, When they write about the worm in this chapter. The movie one? Yeah. The movie one is not big Can enough. Can only make it so big, 
Well, uh, no, you can. If you could put Godzilla in a movie, you can make it a big fucking worm. You can. You can do it. Uh, they gotta be. They gotta be huge. And it's said in the book here that his maw, the his mouth opening, is eighty meters long. And I think Paul even mentions or thinks about it in this chapter that it's still not as big as one, uh, the one that took the ornithopter when they first crash landed. Yeah. So like. Yeah, which is 80 meters is so that one that's fucking huge and yeah so, so the one that's the, the one in the really changes how i view that first one yeah, yeah 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 so like that so me seeing that tiny worm in that trailer it's like that's like maybe 25 meters at, at best like 80 85 80 meters is almost the length of the statue of liberty i looked it up Oh, wow. So it's not small, and you can fit a lot of people no, in not there. at all. And, yeah, it's just not that big enough. Chain Fit a lot of people in a worm? Not What's that? In the Statue in of Liberty. In the Statue of People. Uh, Statue of Liberty, yeah. You can stack them up again. You can fit a lot of people in a worm, too, You probably. can probably fit a lot of people in a worm. You can fit a couple of ornithopters. That's that's for damn sure. Um, for sure. So that's, that's I like, I wanted to point that out. I just, a little, little worm gripe. Uh, but it's it's such a cool scene here in the book. Uh, it's almost serene. And Paul, like, it's almost like they're so scared, but they're not scared because they're uh, conditioned with that Benny Gesserit training, both Jessica and Paul. Uh, and they just have, like, the chance to look at the majesty of the whole thing. And the way Frank Herbert kind of describes it uh, really is epic. You know, the worm is kind of like, and especially if you think, like, eight or 80 meters tall you know just that head just going and like looking around and uh that's why i want it so big in the trailer or in the movie because it's just like i want that thing to be huge just okay we get it i'm sorry you want big worms well i want i want big we all want big worms i want them uh but something really interesting happens here there's a couple things that actually happen when they're running toward the rock to get away from the worm i don't think i mentioned that but that's how they get away from them um they get to the rock, and on their way there, they notice like these uh, sticks in the stand. I think it's like they're like little markers, and they're obviously man-made. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like w- weather damaged a little bit, <laughs> but uh, Paul takes note of this, and he's like, "This is probably a path to where we need to go, or like to the Fremen, maybe. This is definitely man-made, at least." So, like a safe path, maybe through avoiding drum sand. Exactly. Through- and I think they also like warm sand. They also climb the the rocks that they're on. I don't think it's like a mountain or anything, but it just climbs them up into an area that uh, that they're protected from worm attacks. And this area is yeah. If you're on rocks, yeah, you're safe from worms. Kind yeah, of. basically, it's like floor is lava, but space and sand. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Except that a worm could still just jump out of the sand and eat you. Very much so. Yes. In theory. Very yeah. Unless they're, like, at the top of a mountain. I mean, <clears throat> if, if worms are so big, they can just, like... Yeah, you'd have to be pretty high up. you have to be really but high a giant... Up. Yeah, if it's that big, it could just... It could still get you. But I guess the idea is it wouldn't sense your vibration, so it wouldn't know you were there. Yeah, and that's the thing that's really after. So cities and stuff have to be built on rock. 
Yeah. You know, they can't makes they sense. can't be straight up on It makes sense. I didn't think about that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that makes total sense. Yeah, you can't just have them out in the open field or else you're going to be eaten. So all settlements have to be in some sort of rock formation. Interesting. Okay. Um so yeah, they find those markers and they have to climb up the marker. They they get to that place at the top. And Paul gets all like he's waxing poetic again. He's like this is actually kind of nice. And he's like, like I said, he's not he's afraid. Oh, and another cool thing. I fr- he's got a Hawaiian shirt on all of a sudden. <laughs> Sunglasses and a coconut. Hey. Uh, one thing I totally forgot to Living. mention, it's super important at this bit, is that after the worm pops out of the sand, Paul loses the ability for prescience. Like, And it's not like he's lost the power yeah. or anything like that. It's just the future is dark to him. He can't see into the future yeah, right now. Yeah, it just stops. So... It's so fitting that at this this chapter where we finally meet the Fremen, like we said at the top of this uh, episode, we don't know what's going to happen. And it's interesting that we were at this point with Paul and he doesn't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen um, yet throughout the first half. So this has got to be some sort of prescience blocker that the Fremen people have for something. Or is it worm related? There's no, it's not worm about, related because Paul's been around worms before. How about spice related? Everything's spice related, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow it's related to spice. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember exactly what happens, so we're just gonna have to hold on to find out. So what's really cool, before they meet the Fremen, there's like a there's like a fun little uh like almost like a gag that happens. They see some mice little mice hopping around in the sand oh yeah the mice and they all go into a sand mice go into the bush and then an eagle just shows up out of nowhere and starts fucking tearing them apart (laughs) and like and jessica looks at paul and she's like well that's uh definitely needed that reminder (laughs) just just take uh, off here's my proposal hawaiian shirt off and take this seriously yeah shit's (laughs) shit's real here's here's my proposal remember like um remember when you were a kid and there was like uh it's always like TV shows or you know cartoons or puppets or movies of like little mice what? being living little mice little mice shows you know and they're always like living you know in their tiny little mice world and the oh, yeah. holes and the wall and they have like whatever it is. I <laughs> want to see the Dune spinoff of the Sand Mice <laughs> and where what's going on you know where are they living um, you... maybe a little. Maybe a little hut under the sand or something safe, maybe on the rocks. And then, unfortunately, probably the pilot episode would have probably our, uh, what appears to be the main character at that point, get mauled by an eagle and ripped to shreds. But, yeah, it'll shift, and then it'll be about his son. It's just pure nightmare fuel. Just like, ah! You know what? That actually sounds like (laughs) the plot to Attack on Titan. Like, you just set up, like, the main character. But with mice? Yeah, with mice. You set up the beginning. You know what I like? All... Attack on Titan. Can we get giant mice? Can we get big mice with, like, reverse skin? And they'll eat everyone. They'll eat the other mice. Ah, uh, look. Why? We don't know. Nobody knows. I sure as fuck don't know. Yeah, so they, they, they see the mice. The mice gets the, the main character mice gets uh, torn apart. And then we hear a feminine voice out there uh Kind of chirping at him. I think they were talking about like, oh, we'll go see the Fremen tomorrow. And uh, one of the Fremen, you hear the voice going like, ah, well, most people regret meeting the Fremen. And then you hear another voice going like, come on, let's just kill him. Essentially, not in so many words, but 
let's let's uh let's try let's get their water essentially is what they mean um and that's where the chapter ends pretty much it's like we're we're with the that's it where we finally meet some fremen and paul and jessica are readying <laughs> for their confrontation they don't know what's going to happen next Paul definitely doesn't know. He's. He... I think for sure that there's some sort of uh, Fremen magic going on here, or technology where they're blocking the presence. Interesting. In some capacity, or maybe maybe it's not them doing it. Maybe it's like the land where they are. Maybe there's like uh, too much spice, mm. not enough spice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not a coincidence. I don't think. No, no. There's. I hope. I hope you're right. I. To be honest with you, man, I can't wholly remember what happens. So. We'll just have to wait. Mm. Uh, and that's it. That's everything I want to talk about here, Steve. Uh, take us out. All right. Well, well, of course, everyone, I want to say a big thank you, as always, for listening. Because we can't do this without you guys. And we appreciate it so, so, so much. Let's say, of course, you can always get reach out to us on our email. Send us an email, please. Uh, we love when people write in. I love when people send me recipes. I love when people send me pictures of their pets. It's all good stuff. So keep it coming, of course. Did you, did you hear me that whole time? I was just. I heard you. <laughs> okay, I'll keep going. Hey, you is nice. Why'd you stop? Yeah. Um, send me a picture of your dog. Send me a picture of your cat. Send me a picture of what you're eating for dinner. Uh, But that is it for today, and we will be back tomorrow with chapter 29 of Doom.